0: Hey, what's up to the point, listeners? I have some exciting news. I'm going to be podcasting live at the Service Rocket Growth Summit in Vegas in October. And I'm going to be interviewing, I think it's the beginning of day two, interviewing live with you, if you're in the audience, as my co host, Luis Bruno, Victor Rancor, Ishmael Valdez, and Anthony Pereira. Yes, you can heckle them from the audience. It's completely okay, but I'm excited. If you haven't got your ticket yet, you got to get it right now. You can go to servicerocketnetwork.com. That's servicerocketnetwork.com and get your ticket. It's going to be a banger of an event. Joe Montana, uh, you got Run DMC, a lot of awesome people there. So get your ticket today and enjoy this next episode with my man, Mr. Roy H. Williams, the wizard of ads.
1: This is To The Point. A Rhino experience. Pulled one of the top home services marketing and operations podcasts. Cutting through the bullshit and getting to the point.
0: Hey, what's up to the point listeners? It is your boy, Cristiano, the host of To The Point Home Services Podcast, in case you didn't know. Um, I'm excited for today. We tried to do this one, I think, a couple weeks ago. Totally on me. I think I'm going to have to push it too. But I've got Mr. Roy H. Williams on the podcast today. I mean, and listen... If you don't already know, the Wizard of Ads. When you're up to see the Wizard, the
1: wonderful wizard of ads. ads. You find a wizard of wiz, if ever a
0: wiz, a... <laughs> you never heard that before in your
1: life, have you, Roy? No, 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 no. <laughs> First time <I> anybody's <laughs> ever thought of that.
0: <laughs> Nobody's ever done that before. Geez, we're talking about branding here. Listen, Roy, I'm, a, I'm super excited to have you on here, Roy, as he presents you. And you're a best-selling author of what? How many books?
1: <laughs> Well, only three of them were bestsellers, but it's a couple of dozen books altogether, but the important ones were the first ones.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you on here. Listen, it was good to finally meet you. What what was that? Like, what, a month or so, two months ago? Uh, Probably
1: six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. You were here in Austin, and uh, you didn't stay long enough. I think you had a birthday party or something to go to. I
0: did, man. I had to get home for a party. You Can't miss that kind of stuff.
1: No, oh, no, no, family comes first.
0: But I need to get back there because we didn't get enough time because I, I didn't get to spend enough time at that restaurant you took us to for lunch. I had to bail out too early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, you were the best chauffeur I ever had getting back to the airport. Thank you
1: so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I do best. You, I'm, I'm a good driver. It's, it's your, my it's my side hustle.
0: <laughs> it's your side hustle. You're a good driver. I bet you know how to
1: brand it well. <laughs> Well, you know, if it was necessary, perhaps, but it's, it's not. So, um, (laughs) I, I think
0: that it, I think that, uh, it's fair to say that you've got this game, this whole branding thing kind of figured out. I didn't realize until we were, I was out there, um, just, all the things I did, I didn't realize that you were in that, like we talked about the Rolex game with like the jewelers and things like that. Like I didn't, which was kind of ironic given that my best friend lives out there and he's in the jewelry business. Um, but it just to kind of learn some of the history besides like the home services space stuff that you've been in was, was really cool. And so I'm excited for our listeners. If you haven't heard of Roy H. Williams, the wizard of ads, um, I don't know what rock you're under, but he's been around for a minute. But you, if you haven't, you're in for a real treat today too. And it's a unique business. Like that's what I love about it is like you can't just go to Roy and say, "Hey, we want to work with you," and he say, "Okay." That's not how it works in his world, which is super respectful in a lot of ways. But it's because <laughs> it's because what you're doing is like is um, for, you know for a lot of these companies too is building out a legit brand. This whole story, the whole the, it's not just some flyby. It's a big deal. A big process. You have to be somewhat selective on you know, who, who do you go to bat with uh, or who do you go to battle with? So what I want our what our, what our listeners to know is a little bit of what that story looks like, Roy, just kind of how you, I mean, maybe you still share kind of some of that whole background too and how you got into this, you know, the, just the industry as a whole with the jingles, like just all the things, because I think it's all important to building up and then ultimately how you ended up into like this whole home service space. Like for those who don't know, um, Roy is also behind, you ever heard the brand Gettle since Ken's been on here like 1,500 times on this podcast, and he's basically a co-host at this point in time. By the way, I tried to talk him into coming on and co-hosting this one, and he's like, nope, I don't think Roy's going to want me on there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, listen, uh, Ken's an amazing storyteller, and I love to hear him tell stories. But uh, both of us, um, the only time he he can suck all, all the air out of the room. And so can I, and the only, when we come together privately, we have kind of a detente, you know, we have a, we have a treat, a treaty, but we've never, ever, ever been in the same room publicly before. And, um, I, I try not to be on stage with people that are, that are clients because, you know, my job is to make them, uh, visible and more important. Think of it this way, Chris. Um, there's always a speechwriter for the president of the United States when he's making the State of the Union address. Now, that speechwriter isn't writing his own words. He's just helping the president express the thoughts he wants to express in words maybe a little better than the ones he would have chosen for himself. And that's all I do. That's that's really all an ad writer does, is they have to figure out what's in the heart of the client. And then it's never about the ad writer, it's about the client. And so, yeah. I would be uncomfortable if Ken was on. I would just let him talk, you know, because his <laughs> job was to make him look good. I think that would so, have defeated we to the purpose to me, of his thing. We have to do it, just the two of us. <laughs> this would have defeated the whole purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what, what questions have you got?
0: Well, I just want to like, so maybe let our listeners know, I mean, um, I mean, that's obviously one, um, one, com- or one customer that you worked with, one client you work with, you know, that you, that you do work with that, they would recognize because he's been on here enough times and he's a, obviously a major player in the industry, but like maybe we take it back to just how you even got into this space. Like with the, I mean, obviously you're called the wizard of ads. So maybe we talk about a little bit of just your journey, you know, in that industry to kind of set, let our listeners know like, Hey, what behind, besides just like ghetto, how did you even get to that point? Like what's been your career up to this point?
1: Okay. So, um, fell in love at 14 years old, got married at 18, have now been married 46 years. And when I was 19, I had to get a side job to help keep food on the table, et cetera. And um, started changing tapes in the middle of the night on an automated radio station once a week. And Chris, I got the air shift that no one wants. I went to work once a week for $3.35 an hour (laughs) at midnight on Friday night. So I had to come home from work, go to sleep, get up at mid, get up at like 11 o'clock, drive to the radio station and stay up all night long after working all week. So I stayed up till from midnight until 11 a.m. Saturday morning, 11 straight hours. And after taxes, I made like twenty one dollars a week. And then what nobody knew was that since 1978, I had been getting up every morning and spending a couple hours and writing a little message. And it went out on an an answering machine, except. They didn't sell entry machines in in the 70s. (laughs) You had to lease them from the telephone company. This was an announce-only machine. I wound up having to have two phone lines and rent two of these machines at $50 a month. So I'm spending like a quarter, literally 25% of our household income sending out a daily message into the world. It was just a little message of encouragement. And it was called Daybreak. I actually wrote the Monday morning memo about this a couple of weeks ago. I've been doing that for like 40 years. That's right. And so the Monday morning memo, I told this story a couple of weeks ago. That's why I have it fresh on my mind. And so after doing this for about a year, the general manager walks in one morning and he said, hey, we got this guy from Amir's Persian Imports, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he, he needs an ad. Do you know anything about writing ads? Well, Chris, I've been doing this for several years, getting up, spending a couple hours in the morning, seven days a week to condense a big complex thought into like maybe 90 seconds, recording it on this answering machine, then people would call in, many, many hundreds of people a day, so much so that people were getting a busy signal, I had to get to add a second line. I have no income from that, nobody had any way to get hold of me, they didn't even know my name, but I just wanted to just encourage people. And so when you spend you know a couple thousand hours, maybe 3000 hours writing stuff, trying to put a big thought into a few words, uh, I wrote this ad for Emir's Persian Imports. It was Persian rugs, right? It was an amazing ad. You know, you're, it's like a 1001 Arabian Nights. You're flying on a magic <laughs> carpet above the city, blah, 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 blah. And I used uh, second-person perspective, present-tense nouns. Or, excuse me, present-tense verbs. Um, and so what happened was it was a huge success. General manager comes back and he says, man, why don't you come to work here full-time? And I said, that sounds like a great idea. And so within about a year, people were buying ads from me. They didn't even know what station I was with. They would buy a big ad schedule just to get me to write their ads. And I came to the conclusion, why am I working for a 15% commission when the only thing all these businesses want is the ads I write? So I've always been a reader. I've always been a writer since literally like the third grade. So I was just really good at it. And so pretty soon, we had so many clients that people would call every day and we'd have to tell them, no, we can't work with you. Sorry, we're just we we're working round the clock already. We don't have any more room for any more clients. And they would just beg, please, 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 just one more. Can you make room for just one more? And I couldn't. And so once a month, Chris, this is a real thing. You came out and you saw the campus, right? Yep. 32-acre yep. campus, Wizard Academy in Austin, Texas. Huge buildings all over it. We're literally on a plateau overlooking the city of Austin from 900 feet above downtown Austin. And we have this 32-acre campus. And you didn't get to go up in the tower, right? You didn't get to go up on the star deck and look at the city from, from up above. right? So the point was, before that all happened, my wife and I would rent the, like the ballroom at the Four Seasons. People would fly in from all over America, and I would host a one-day seminar for free. This is all I can do. Once a month, I'll teach you everything I know for free and I'll even pay for lunch. Cause if you guys had to rent a hotel room and if you guys had to like, you know, buy plane tickets and stuff and be a couple of days away from home, the least I can do is buy your lunch. So pretty soon we're spending 20 grand a month buying lunch for strangers and have zero income from that. But business was good because we have a weird business model, Chris. I think you, I think I told you, you this. Did. But yep. yep. Yeah. What happens is is we go to work. When I say we, I now have 70 partners. And uh, between all the partners, we probably work with maybe 200 home service companies in the US and um, huge successes all over. And so at that time, though, my problem was I've got 20 grand a month going out and no ability to recapture that money. But I don't want to leave people out there ignorant of what works, what doesn't and why. That's it, Chris. What works, what does not work and why. That's it. And I was able to explain that to people. And they would go, oh, this is great. This is great. And my wife noticed. She goes, you know what? Some of these people keep coming back and bringing their staff with them. And we're spending $20,000 a month, a quarter million dollars a year to feed these strangers because you feel bad that you can't take them all as your clients. And she says, we need a different plan. So she bought the land, <laughs> went out and bought the land, designed all the buildings. And we, we hired a construction crew. And they've now been working uh, every day. 350 days a year since 2004. And uh, we just met with the head of construction at lunch today, and we've got three new things planned for him to get started on. But what I did is I said, okay, here's how this will work. I'll go to work for a flat salary. And then once a year, we adjust that salary by the percentage your business has grown. And if your business declines, I take that percentage of a cut in my pay, in for a penny, in for a pound. If business is up, I get a raise, it's the same percentage that your top line has increased. If, if top line goes down, from even if even, it's just a major recession, it doesn't matter. I get a haircut, we, we cut my pay by that same percentage. Well, a lot of clients now I've had for literally over 30 years, and they're paying me anywhere from 50 times to 70 times the amount per month they were originally paying me. Now, Chris, keep in mind, they can fire me at any time we have no written agreement. They can dismiss me and handle this on their own. But they usually don't. They say, you know, this guy believed in me whenever nobody else did. And usually, usually, I know that this is going to be a good client. If I believe in them more than they believe in themselves, this is going to be a good relationship because I will tell them, here's what I think we can do. And they go, wow, from your lips to God's ears. And I go, all right, now, when this happens, here's how much you're going to pay me. You know, when I've doubled your volume, you're going to pay me double the amount per month. And let's do that math together. And let's look at when you're 20 times the size you currently are. They're going, oh, that will never happen. You're just talking like a loudmouth Texan now. You know, that's never going to happen. I go, well, okay, let's just do the math. Because when we're doing that number, I'm not going to be working any harder than I am right now. I'm going, getting, I'm going to be getting paid for having worked too cheap, and you're number one and you're number two. I worked way too cheap in the first years because I wanted in on this ride, and they go, okay, okay, okay. So we have this agreement, a meeting of the minds, and then when they start having to pay just ridiculous and absurd amounts of money every month, they don't begrudge it because I'll walk them through it at the beginning. That's an essential step, and so Like I said, this is the one thing we just had a partner meeting this week, twice a year, all the partners come down from around the world. And we spend a couple of days together and we, we we go over the basics of our business model and, and how we choose our clients. And I say, look, never work with somebody you don't believe in, never work with somebody you don't trust because we're trusting them to tell us the truth about how much our, their sales volume is up. We don't audit the books. We just trust our client to tell us. And so the uh, very first, I would say, probably the very first home services client was 800 got junk, and I still work with them today. And Brian Scudamart and I started. He'd been he'd been um, he'd been building that company for 23 years and had it up to almost 100 million dollars. And when he came down and to spent a day with me, and this is where it gets screwy, Chris. And this is what's see. People just roll their eyes, and I, I can't even believe I'm saying this because it's so embarrassing. We get calls every day, blah blah blah. I want to talk to Roy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's like saying, Yeah, I put Chris on the phone, yeah. right? It's like I want, I want to bounce some ideas off Chris. And so what happens is um they they schedule it with my operations manager, and they pay 7,500 bucks. And I, I listened to him for a day, no promises. And I promised him to take you as a client, but I'll listen to you and give you some good advice. And so Brian Scudmore flew down here. I mean, Chip Wilson flew down here, the you know the founder of uh, Lululemon. I mean, the guy's worth $2.5 billion. He flew down. I'm familiar. And, I've seen my, my wife's yeah. closet. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm saying is, is Chip's an awesome guy. We have a lot of fun. And Brian's awesome. And so Brian flew down. And we spent a day talking, and I said, Listen, it took you 23 years to get to 100 million. And I said, It's going to take us less than four years to get to 200. And he said, Well, hang on a second. We haven't been, we've been flat for a while. And he said, So uh, what gives you this confidence? And I told him. And he said, Well, listen, if, if, if we're doing 200 million in less than four years from now, then I'm going to take you and your family and all my franchise partners partners and their families to Hawaii, all expenses paid for a week. And I said, great, buy the tickets now <laughs> because they'll be cheaper today than they are four years from now, <laughs> but they we're definitely going. <laughs> and what happened is at the end of the time, we were doing 224 million a year is where we ended. So we were, what, 10% or so, 12% over goal. And now we're, uh, we're rapidly sneaking up on a billion dollars. We've been together maybe a dozen years, and the second client was Dewey Jenkins in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh yeah, he came to he came to some classes, and I adore Dewey. I mean, I really do. And and Dewey came to some classes, and his goal was he had seen me speak in St. Louis, because originally, in like 2000, 1999, maybe something like that, nineteen ninety nine or two thousand, Jim Abrams and John Young flew down here. And I, I got along incredibly well with John Young. I even I even have a chapter called John Young's Fortune, I think in my second book, Secret Formulas of the Wizard of Ads. And, and I talk about that and I say, so John flies down there, he brings Jim with him, we speak for a day, and then we launched uh, together, uh, when our heating and air conditioning and then Benjamin Franklin plumbing, and then when they were moving towards selling to private equity, I exited. Yeah. I just never, ever, 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 ever worked with private equity. I lost four clients last year when they, when they sold to private equity, Yeah, you know? And so,
0: yeah, we lost a few. Uh,
1: <laughs> to it, <that> yeah, <laughs> do, do, Well, they usually try to keep me and I just don't want to be part of a I think tank. Or I don't, I'm not a collaborator, you I know, understand. I don't think you are either. I understand. You buy your own flag, you sing your own song. And you know, if you needed a friend, you'd buy a dog. <laughs> So, <laughs> the, the thing that um, the thing that was special about Dewey is he he was so smart and so open minded, and we had so much fun. It took us almost ten years to build Morris Jenkins to one hundred fifteen million dollars a year in Charlotte, North Carolina. I mean, yeah. we're company. talking one town, one hundred fifteen million bucks. Phenomenal company. And, and so he started out. We started out together. He was less than ten million. And then Ken comes along, it took us six years and 11 months to go from below sea level, right? Going from literally annual losses. Uh, And Ken sent me a long email. He'd been trying for about 15 years to get me on board. And he sent me a long email about the crisis he was facing with this new acquisition. And I said, listen, here's what I'm gonna do. If you give me enough money, I'm gonna give you back your email. I'm going to give it back to you in the form of a radio campaign. And he says, what are you talking about? And I said, you really made an incredible case for this company in your email. I want you to know you're going to pay me an enormous amount of money because all I'm going to do is take that email and turn it into a radio campaign. You have given me something that I'm absolutely positive will work. And I'm telling you that you can do this on your own. Do you want to go ahead and do this on your own? He says, I really think I'd rather have you do it. (laughs) I says, no, don't be surprised. Would I just take your email and basically put that out there in the world? And he goes, all right. And so that was a wild ride. And it took us uh, six years and 11 months for that thing to sell to whoever bought it. And then um, that's my story. So you ask me to tell stories. That's <laughs> it. And, and along the way, like I said, is, 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 uh, you know, I, I, because this is a home services podcast, I left out the fact that home services is not mainly what we do. Right. I uh, actually have been way bigger in the jewelry business, literally, for 40 years. Uh, sell more diamonds and more Rolex watches than anybody in the world. Right. And um, in other words, Chris, if there's anything <laughs> that people need to understand, people in the home services business need to understand why short-term thinking is dangerous and poisonous if you're in home services. And if you think you're going to advertise today and sell today, you're not going to build a brand. You can build a revenue stream, but you're not going to have a brand. Now, because of your genius in uh, online marketing and because you understand that space better than anybody, you know what I'm saying when I talk about the difference between branded and unbranded keywords. I do. Does your audience know generally what the difference is between branded and unbranded keywords is?
0: I would say go ahead and just explain it anyway, just in your terms.
1: Okay, okay. So here's the deal. When a person goes into Google and types in plumbing repair, that's unbranded. And what they're basically telling Google is, I do not have a preferred provider. I don't have a favorite company. I'm just looking for... The quickest response and the lowest price. Now listen, that's not a bad strategy. If you get in the home, you can upsell them, right? Just get your foot in the door, so you can offer them a twenty-nine dollars something. Get in the door, up, uh, you know, ascend the sale. It, I'm glad I got it. Everybody's doing that. It's not a secret. But the cost of that click. And, and one of my partners, Ryan Chute, taught me this. I think you've you've spoken oh, to Ryan. Yeah, he was Ryan. here the day you came. Yep, to so Ryan. anyway, so Ryan Ryan mentioned high cap and low cap. I'd never heard it before. Maybe he made it up. But he <laughs> said high cap is high conversion, high average sale, high profit margin. That's what you get with the branded keywords. Unbranded, which is just air conditioning repair or plumbing service or drain opening. Those are unbranded keywords. It's a much, much, much higher cost per click. We have seen it tends to be like anywhere from 12 to 17 times higher cost per click. Because when they type in your name, they type in the name of your company. It's an unbelievably cheap click. Oh, yeah. And an unbelievably high conversion, high, high conversion, high average sale, high profit margin. It's a high cap sale. You spend very little to get that lead and they always convert. You spend an enormous amount of money to get an unbranded keyword lead, which they're not looking for you. They're just looking for someone. And I'm saying, so what happens is when people think short term, it's the same thing with jewelry. It's the same thing with anything. If you have a long purchase cycle, this is what you have to understand. Everybody needs to understand this. This is why I used to teach free seminars. If you have a long purchase cycle, the only way you're going to win and win big is to be the company they think of first and the one they feel the best about when they finally need what it is that you do. And so you have to use mass media to sell people long before they're in the need for your product or your service. You have to sell them way before they need you. You have to be a household word. You have to be the think, person they think of first and feel the best about. Dewey Jenkins, Ken Goodrich. I, the list goes on and on and on. Spence Diamonds, Robbins Brothers in Los Angeles. It's like, it's just unlimited. And I'm saying, but... When you're thinking short term, you're thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna eat what I kill. I gotta sell it today to have business today. That works best for products with a short purchase cycle. Food has a short purchase cycle. We eat every day
0: All of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now.
1: Entertainment has a short purchase cycle. We're looking for things to do every day, but whenever you're going to be the people they think of first and feel the best about, it's not because of an offer you made. It's not because you're the bottom feeder trying to, trying to get in the door and then, and then ascend to the sale and, you know, upsell it. And so that idea, when a person can wrap their brain around, think long term. This is a product category. This is a service category that people don't need every day. They need it once every few years at the most, typically. How often do they replace an air conditioning system? Right. How often do they need major, you know, how, how often do they need a new hot water tank? It's not every year, it's right. not even every couple of years. Right. And so that idea of, Spending tons of money just trying to fill today's um, booking, right? You, you, you want to keep all your trucks busy. Well, if you just work on only one day at a time, you're not building a brand. Right. You're not building a brand. So there's this, there's this balance between what you do better than anybody in the world and what I do better than I think anybody in the world, which is you have to think short term. So you can survive and you have to think long term so that you have a higher conversion rate, higher average sale, lower cost per click, higher profit margin. You know this. I know this. We talked about this. And this is why you wanted to have me on the show. I'm not discounting what you do. I'm just saying that when people don't think beyond the short term, they're going to be as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. They're always just going to be the hamster on a wheel. They're never ever going to get ahead of the game. It's like trying to run up an escalator and the escalator's coming down as fast as you're running, and mm-hmm. you're just staying in one spot. And so that's my sermon. What's you your next question. So you have,
0: first off, thank you. <laughs> that was a quick. That was a quick lesson. I will say. It makes my job a little bit easier when you've done your job really well.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm telling you. Is it's like nothing works better than, than mass media in partnership with good online um, strategy and execution. I don't do online. Yeah. I'm allergic to it. And I'm going, no, 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 I don't do that. Yep. It's a whole different discipline. It's a radically different discipline. And I'm saying I build brands, I think long-term, and the one thing that I have to tell people constantly, and I'm telling your audience today, if you do mass media, which is essentially television and radio, okay, it's gonna blow your mind how cheap it is when you do it correctly. It's gonna just completely fry your brain. Number two, it's gonna break your heart at how long it takes it to start paying off. I tell every client, the check's on the table, and I tell you, put your hand on that check. They're gonna give me some upfront money, put your hand on that check. I lay my hand on their hand. And I tell them, I wanna make you a solemn promise. 120 days from today, you're going to know with all your heart that giving me this money was the biggest mistake you ever made in your life. (laughs) Because it's not going to be working. You're going to be saying, we spent all this money on media and we're not seeing any results. This was a horrible mistake. And I said, now, I always tell them this. This is the only reason I survive. It's called the chickening out period, Chris. Everybody comes (laughs) to the chickening out period. It happens between 100 days and 120 days. And I say to them, it won't be working because people are hearing it, but they haven't heard it enough. They're not yet fully convinced. And when they finally get convinced, now you have to start waiting on the first of those people to need you. Now, when you something works immediately, right away, it works less and less well the longer you keep doing it. But if something doesn't work at first, it's painful and you almost give up. Well, that is the thing that will work better and better and better the longer you keep doing it. And I'm going, this is why you have to survive in the short term. You have to bring in the money while it's on the table. But you also have to have a plan for building something so that the first guy's job gets easier and less expensive. And I'm saying that's why you have to have both. You have to have sales activation, which is what happens digitally. And you're always going to close every sale online. Even if you initiate the sale through mass media, you're going to close it online, right? Right. And so the having that synchronicity between your mass media partner and your online partner, they have to understand what each other is bringing to the table. and They have to be coordinated. They have to be syncopated. They have to be in touch with each other, in my opinion. And so um, you, you will be flattered to know that you're the very first digital marketer in the history of the world I've ever agreed to talk to publicly. Oh yeah, I didn't know that. That's I, how much I think of you. That's uh, how much I think of you,
0: Roy. I'm great. Your audience never you.
1: heard me on a podcast before, because I don't ever do this. I just happen to really like and respect you.
0: I appreciate that so much. That means a lot. I thank you for saying that, and I and I accept that very respectfully. I I um you know I I I want to say thank you for because the exact place I was getting ready to go was this hundred to hundred and twenty days thing because in a lot of ways um, I think this has to happen in the market because it does weed out some of those that, that can't, that can't do it because of the, you know, the majority probably can't make it. Roy, you know, better than me, can't get past that chicken out phase, but the ones that do, the ones that are able to stick with it. They're and world get changers. It. They're world
1: changers. And whenever they mentally and emotionally budget that I just have to ignore this, I'm going to get upside down. I'm going to spend so much more money than I've seen in results. And that's why every—that's why nobody thinks mass media works, Chris. Yeah, is because some nose-picking lightweight sales rep at a TV station or a radio station had some money thrown at him, and somebody came in and said, well, "I'm going to test the waters. I'm going to test the waters. I'm going to give you some money. We're going to go on for two weeks. You show <laughs> me enough traffic, I'll come back, and we'll do some long-term business together." And I'm I listen, I'm teaching a thing. I, I, I've traveled the nation for about 10 years teaching every the state broadcast association, all the radio stations in the state, all the TV stations in the state. And this is from about 2002 to about like 2010 or 11, just absolutely spending my life on airplanes and hotel rooms, doing these seminars, trying to make media people understand, guys, quit promising short-term results you can do it for people in the entertainment business you can do it for people in the food business short purchase cycles you can see immediate results life-changing results but when it comes to the long purchase cycle categories home services you know engagement rings anniversary diamonds things like that it's like no 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 You have to have a long time horizon. You have to have a long-term strategy. You have to advertise 52 times a week in a very sustainable way. You have to be able to afford to keep reaching whatever percentage of the people you can reach. Here's an example, Chris. Sales reps go out there every day. Somebody says, I'm going to test this. You know, show me a crowd. And they've seen crowds before, Chris. They remember whenever they put the restaurant on the air and they had people waiting two hours to get inside. You know, they had a line of people wrapped around the block to get in the restaurant. It never occurs to sales reps that sell media. That was the short purchase cycle. People eat every day. Everyone eats every day for the most part. It is not hard to have a line of people wrapped around the block to go to a restaurant. You can't do that in categories with a long purchase cycle. You just can't. And so when I try to get through to them, guys, every time an advertiser comes to you with a long purchase cycle and they give you 30 days worth of money you're just you're just giving that person an inoculation from ever getting hooked on mass media you're making them immune to mass media i tried radio and it didn't work i tried tv and it didn't work and i'm going you people are your own worst enemy <laughs> chris i did that for almost 10 years i gave up no one was listening everybody's a sucker for somebody throwing money at them. And it's a really bad idea. And I can promise it's not going to work. And this is why so many people out there say, I tried it and it didn't work. It's because nobody had the good sense to tell them, this is how long it takes. This is why the people it works for win huge, huge, sell out for hundreds of millions of dollars to, to private equity. But the people who dabble in it and didn't do it right because nobody had the courage to tell them the truth, Chris. There was no salespeople mm-hmm. in television or radio that had the courage to tell the business owner the truth, then there everybody's going, I tried it and it didn't work. And I'm saying, you know, it does work if you know how to do it. And your goal, my understanding of your goal, Chris, is you just want your audience to know if you're going to do this, know the way that it doesn't work. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> know the way that it doesn't work. And know the way that it does work, because you know if it does work, you become even more of a superhero than you already are because it's like, my gosh, when people are typing in the name of your client, that makes the stats look really good because you're still coming to the website. They're closing on the website. The web, present has, the web presence has to be amazing. It's still the closing room, right? Yeah. But to cause people to come looking for you, unbelievably less expensive clicks, unbelievably higher conversion, average sale and profit margin. So there it is in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. And I think that like if I had to compare like one of mine services to, to that cycle, it would be the search engine optimization platform because essentially it's the same thing. But one thing that you said, I think um, I want to reiterate to the listeners is that it's difficult to go into it saying, Hey, this is what it's going to be. And guess what? It probably isn't going to yield a return in the first hundred to 120 days, maybe even a little bit longer. Um, Unfortunately, search engine optimization is the same thing in my world, but key differentiator, man, it takes, you have to set the right expectation up front for it. Because then once you, if you, if you don't set that expectation and that time comes and goes, now you're losing trust. And then when you lose the trust or the belief in the company or the widget or whatever it is, that's when the things start to fizzle out and go south and then next thing you know you got the chicken out phase coming in because you didn't build trust in the beginning and weren't upfront with what the expectations really should be. so <clears throat> I say that because yes, it's always a beautiful relationship when mine works really well with what you're doing. It's like the best case scenario for us and our contractors when we work with a bunch of big ones that is the best case scenario because it makes it, it works hand in hand together fantastic obviously anytime it drops my cost per click it drops my cost per lead conversion rates are higher uh revenues all the right things so it's like a beautiful little dance but key ingredient would be you got to be up front so if 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 you're listening and you're considering going down this path ask that question if they're not telling you ask that question hey what's this cycle look like like how long is it going to take for this thing to kick in see what that answers see if it matches what roy's just telling
1: you hey all right so chris i want to make one more point But I think right now I'm going to answer the question that I think everybody is asking. In their mind, everybody's saying, well, how much would it cost and how many ads do I need? Okay. now I'm going to make this is this is coming from four decades of real world experience all day, every day in virtually every market in America. It's like right now we have probably three thousand Um, TV and radio campaigns on the air at this moment, like this hour, 3,000 different TV stations, radio stations in America. And all of our campaigns are 52 weeks a year, the same typical week, 52 weeks a year. And so every month has the same budget as every other month. It is not seasonal. You're not in a seasonal business unless you turn off the telephone, lock the door, Disconnect the electricity and come back in six months. Right? You know what I mean. Yep. A snow prone stand is a seasonal business, but if you're open 365 days a year, you simply have peak season and you have off season, which is not a seasonal business. Right? You got payroll to make year round. That's good. And this is true again. This you, you'd be stunned, Chris, how much the jewelry business is identical to home services. I mean, it's like the same exact ethos that's going on. But here's the thing: people need to understand what would it cost to go on the radio? Well, the first thing you have to do is make sure repetition matters more than reach. How many different people are you reaching? Think of it as unique visitors. How many different people are you reaching in a week? Keep in mind when you're building a reputation, mass media is called mass media for a reason. Anyone who tells you that you can target with mass media is overstating something that's barely, barely true. Birds of a feather kind of flock together to certain radio stations. Birds of a feather kind of flock together to certain TV shows, but not nearly as much as you think, not nearly as much as the stereotype would lead you to believe. When you look at the real data from Nielsen, which is unimpeachable, and if you want to know more about that later, ask me, because I'm telling you, we know as much about um, broadcast media, TV and radio, as you know about digital media in terms of who's being reached, you can't actually target though with mass media, but you can know who you're reaching. It's a, it's a family union. There's no such thing as the tight targeting, but in terms of how many people there are and what they look like, we know this. It's very granular, very highly detailed, unimpeachable data. But what happens is whenever you say, okay, the average person lives in a realm of association of about 250 people, Chris, Right now, if you said, okay, I'm I'm announcing a wedding, there's about 250 people that would come to your wedding if invited and if they could figure out how to get there in their schedule. And on the day we die, there's about 250 people that will come to your funeral if they can work it in their schedule and they find out about it. So all of us, the average citizen, if you're normal and healthy emotionally, you have about 250 people who know your name, you know their name. You'd probably try a restaurant if they recommended it. You'd probably watch a TV show or a movie if they suggested it. You have a relationship. Co-workers, friends, people you went to school with, people whose kids play with your kids. It's that sort of thing. Now, it's not the same 250 all for your whole life. Right. It's, a, it's kind of a revolving 250. Some people drop out, new people get added in, but it's about 250 people. Now, listen. If I can only reach 10% of Phoenix, remember the non-negotiable is repetition. Never, 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 never settle for little repetition because it never works. Repetition is essential to mass media. And so never sacrifice repetition for increased reach. Instead of reaching 100% of the people and convincing them 10% of the way, Reach 10% of the people and convince them 100% of the way, the cost is the same. Does that make sense, Chris? It does, yeah. That's what people have to understand about mass media repetition is absolutely non negotiable. Don't reach, don't say, oh, I don't want to leave these people out. I don't want to leave these people out. Listen, you don't have the mind to reach everybody, snap out of it. Reach only the number of people that you can afford to reach relentlessly. You want to own these people. You want to carry them around in your pocket. You can't reach everybody. How many people can you afford to reach correctly? The identical same person, Chris, the identical same person has to hear that radio ad three times within seven nights sleep every week, 52 weeks in a row. That doesn't mean you're running three ads. It means when you look at the Nielsen, it's called a TAP scan, total audience plans scan, or you talk, it's called um, Reach and frequency analysis. Here's how many people you're reaching. Here's the number of repetitions the average person is hearing. It's a report you can print out with any metrics you're looking for. Now here's the deal. If you're reaching 10% of Phoenix and you're reaching the average listener three times a week, they're actually hearing your ad 52 weeks in a row. Now Chris. That's going, to, that's going to be 156 ads per year, 156, 60-second ads this person actually heard this year. They're hearing three a week, every week. So I'm only reaching 10% of Phoenix, but I own that 10%. Okay? What do you figure it costs to reach a person? I'm going to reach Cristiano 156 times this year and convince Chris that whenever he needs what it is I sell, I'm the name he thinks the first. I'm the person he believes in. He types my damn name into the search engine, right? <laughs> How much does it cost for me to reach you 156 times?
0: Oh my God. I would have no idea.
1: <laughs> for the entire year? About 40 cents.
0: Okay. I'm, I'm biting.
1: It's costing listen, I can get it done for a quarter of a penny per repetition. Cost me 40 cents to reach you 160 times. Interesting. So, so is mass media too expensive? Let's look at costs per click. If we can drive down cost per cost per sale from $220 down to like $17 or $14, can we fund some mass media? I think so. This is what I'm saying is this is what we do every day. Most of the time, when you're simply saying, let's supplement our digital budget with some mass media, but don't try to win the hearts of more people than we can afford to win relentlessly, correctly. And listen, people stay reached the way that grass stays mowed. You have to continue to reach them year after year after year after year. And here's the thing I said earlier. when, When you're doing the right thing, it doesn't work at all right away. It's painful and everybody quits. Eat right and exercise, great, I've been doing this for three weeks, now I'm just hungry and sore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, I wanna feel good. And if, listen, if if the doctor said, oh, I'm sorry, you wanna feel good right now, here, snort this white powder up your nose, you'll feel like Superman right now. And I'm going, no, that works less and less well the longer you keep doing it and it destroys the health of the, of the host, the person. When you're doing the right thing, eat right and exercise, it hurts like hell at first. You get no benefit. It seems like it's going the wrong direction. But if you keep doing and you power through the chickening out period, it works better and better and better and better and better and better. The longer you keep doing it, that's mass media, and so nobody believes in it. Home services until I make them fabulously rich, and I'm saying I want people to know this. And until if you don't have the emotional staying power, then don't get started. You're just going to waste a bunch of money and you're going to get no return. At the end of six months, you'll see a light at the end of the tunnel, and you'll pray that it's not a train that's going to run you over. And then at the end of a year, you can't get people out of mass media. If If you kidnap your wife and children, they would have to think about it before they got out of mass media because by the end of the year, it's working miraculously. At the end of the second year, they're sending you and your family on vacations around the world because it's working so miraculously. But so few people know this. My goal is I want people to know this so they can at least know when they've met a sales rep or a consultant who's telling them the truth. You know what I mean? It's like you tell people the hard truth, but your problem is SEO. Nobody wants to give. They don't understand. It takes a while to convince Google. (laughs) It takes a while. You can't convince Google in an afternoon. I can't convince a customer that Cristiano is the greatest digital <laughs> marketer on the face of the earth. I can't convince them in an afternoon. Right. But you give me about four months of reaching them three times a week. And we talk about it three times a week for about four months, right? Like 16, 17 weeks. We've been talking, yeah, pretty soon they're convinced. Well, I think maybe I'm ready to believe. <laughs> and so it, it takes you the same time to convince Google, am I right? For SEO?
0: Yeah, man, it's, 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 it's almost like identical.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so you're, you face the same challenge I do, but it's kind of like people think, well, can't you just kind of like press some buttons and, you know, trick Google. And I'm going, really, really? You think you're going to trick Google? You think that's a possibility? It was like 15 years ago, right? It hasn't been a possibility for like eight or nine years. And so anyway, I'm, I'm done with my rant. No, Let's man, that, talk about what you want to talk about yeah, now.
0: Well, one, I got to know, um, where, when you say like 40 cents, I'm thinking, man, he is a wizard. Where, where did the nickname come from in the first place? How'd you get the name wizard, the nickname wizard?
1: Well, have you ever heard of John Milton? I have. All right, so John Milton is one of the great, um, he's one of the, the great voices in, in, in the history of English literature. He wrote Paradise Lost in like 1678, I think, something like that. But the very first thing he ever wrote was in 1629. Poet, and he was um, he was he wrote about he wrote a poem. He was like 21 years old. Stayed up all night on Christmas Eve, and he it's a little it's not a little poem. I think it's like 28 stanzas. It's called "On the Morning of Christ's Nativity." Now, Chris, you didn't know I was going to go here. Did no, you ask the question? Um, where did the name Wizard come from?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at I'm the A Person sorry.
1: always drunk is, is a drunkard. A person who cowers is a coward. And in Matthew chapter 2, the story of the wise men, that's where the word wizard comes from. And see how from far upon the eastern road, the star-led wizards haste with odor sweet. Oh, run, prevent them with thy humble ode. Lay it lowly at his blessed feet. Have thou the honor first thy Lord to greet. And join your voice to the angel choir from out his secret altar of hallowed fire. That is stanza number four from John Milton's poem, On the Morning of Christ's Nativity. It's the first thing he ever wrote in 1629. And so when he said wizards, he was referring to the wizards in Matthew chapter two that Matthew called the wise men. And so that idea of following a star, you didn't get to go to the tower, but there's a place we cut uh, three, it's, it's 100 yards long, it's 300 feet, we cut in solid limestone. We're on a plateau, as you know, overlooking Austin, Texas. And we cut, it took four months riding a, I didn't do it, but my <laughs> brother-in-law did, riding a diesel lock saw, cutting this limestone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for four months to cut this tunnel in the ground, directly, perfectly north to the North Star. And we built this tower. And on the top of the tower is a sword embedded in the top of the wall of the tower. And there's a star deck up here you can go, and you can stand next to the sword. But down in that tunnel, there's a bronze pair of footprints. And if you put your feet on those bronze feet, 24 hours a day, the North Star is just above the hilt of the sword in the top of the tower. And did you know, Chris, the North Star is the only star in the sky that never moves. It's in the same spot 24 hours a day. The rest of the stars revolve around the North Star during the night. And we have a time-lapse photograph of the tower at night where you can see all of the stars in the sky revolving slowly around the North Star in a big circle. And the North Star is directly above the axis of the Earth. The name of that star is Polaris because it's above the pole, the North Pole. And what happens is it's the guiding light. It is that guiding light around which the entire world revolves and we tell every business owner that visits the campus or comes to classes, we tell them, and by the way, it's a 501c3. When my wife built this place, it's a nonprofit 501c3 educational organization. We teach businessmen and entrepreneurs. And so when you stand there and you look at that North Star and you say, what's your non-negotiable? What is it that you protect at all costs? What is your guiding light when, the, when, this, when it's dark and the storm comes out? And you don't know where you are. You need to have something that's not part of the storm. You have to have something that never moves. What is it? Because if we know what it is, if we know where you're going to find your way through the storm, then we can trust you. But if you don't know, we can't tell you. And so that's this huge question. And basically the wise men followed a star because they believed at the end of that journey, they would find something wonderful. And that's where the name wizard comes from, is Matthew chapter two in the Bible. <laughs>
0: Did not and now know that. You know. i wish i
1: would have asked you that know.
0: question when i was there because then i could have went and saw all this stuff that you're just talking yeah, about i'm going to
1: save i'm going to save the whole story when we get to the top of the tower <laughs> and i talk about the four people you meet on the oceans of life then you'll want to record that crap because i'm telling you it's an amazing <laughs> story but we don't have time today
0: no that's cra- so i just want an open invite to come back so we can finish the story can we do that all right, sure. <laughs> when you, when you can make it work, I'll make um, I'll, I'll make sure I get myself down there to do it. That sounds amazing. I want to see that time lapse video.
1: Listen, have... it's an eight hour tour. If we if we if we go look at everything quickly, it's an eight hour tour. It's like Gilligan's Island. Y-
0: yeah, you can basically get married there. Where's I knew there was like a eleven
1: hundred weddings a year, Chris. Yeah, people crazy. get married there <laughs> for free from all over the world. It's the largest. It's the most famous free wedding chapel on earth. It hangs out over the edge of a cliff. If people go to freeweddingchapel.com, they will find a chapel that hangs off a cliff called Chapel Dulcinea, D U L C I N E A. And this is the perfect woman that exists only in the mind of a man. And that man in 1605 was Don Quixote de la Mancha, second best selling book in the history of the world next to the Bible. And um, that's where we took the name of the chapel from, is from the imaginary woman that existed in his mind. Is Lady Dulcinea the perfect woman? And so, Chapel Dulcinea. You didn't even get out to the chapel, did you? I
0: know, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, I. That's why I feel like I've. I missed so much. So I do need to get back out there too. It's just it, the whole uh, thing is cool.
1: Well, man, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed being on your podcast. I'm sorry I talk so much. No, no, no. I
0: love it. So, like I said, I know you like telling stories, and I like hearing the stories too. Um There's always so much depth to anything that you're going to talk about, which is why I like taking down that, like having you go down that path. Because I mean, one, I. This for me when you're talking through all these things too it's just kind of a, you, you pulled me into a history lesson at the same time I happen to love history hit to the point listeners sorry to cut you off Roy can talk as you can see but good news is is he's going to be on the next episode part two with the wizard of Bads, Mr. Roy H. Williams I hope you enjoyed this one until next time we'll see you no zero days <laughs> listeners thank you so much again for listening to this podcast week after week we are extremely grateful Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to give back to the home services industry that we love so much, whether you're a rhino or not. We really, really appreciate all the subscribers. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please go in and subscribe, and you'll get all the episodes sent to you automatically weekly. Also, we have really enjoyed your feedback. Uh, It's so meaningful for us when we get to read the nice comments that you guys put. So keep doing that. And if you don't know how to do it, here's what you got to do. You search for To The Point Home Services on Apple Podcasts. You click on our profile, scroll all the way down to the bottom and hit write a review and be honest and share your story and how the podcast has impacted you and your business. Thanks again from the bottom of our hearts at To The Point Home Services Podcast. We appreciate you.